victory for Lamont Paris's crew as they improved to 20 and three on the season. First game as a ranked team, a W in the column there, and uh, continuing on what's been a great run of success this season. Squirrely, huh? A little squirrely. That was Derek Scott's word, not mine. You used it too, though. I did. It, uh, I think <laughs> it's a, it's a good, it's a good word. I, I heard so representative I, I, of. I'm, I'm gonna what begin. Happened. I'm gonna begin the show with an admission. I was I was watching on TV. Obviously, Wes, you were there live. I was relegated to watching on on TV, and so I did not get to capture the magic of the broadcast <laughs> from the from the game. Right, but I was told that Derek had an epic call on the on the Colin Murray Boyles block. Oh, do you want to hear it? I would love to hear it. Uh, hey Dave, I heard, let's play cut number four. Yeah, I heard it was pretty epic. Murray against Davis. Lobs down low for Sharp, and he has a shot rejected by Murray Boyles. He just blocked the shot of a seven-foot-five human. Are you kidding me? South Carolina with the ball and a minute ten remaining. I cannot believe what I just saw. I think he encapsulates probably what we were all thinking. Yeah. This guy's seven-foot-five. No way he's going to be able to block that one, right? The crowd noise on that call there pretty insane shout out you know what man Gamecock Nation y'all y'all have been on it lately another great crowd even though I mean we sit there and it's one thing to get up for you know Kentucky and but but just to continue that to I mean I I thought it was a great crowd Um, the Missouri game right after that all things considered it's not an opponent that you're just gonna really get up for it was a really good Saturday crowd. And so then uh, they backed it up, 5,000 students strong. That was obvious. And the, the crowd w- was in the game. Um, you know, and the style of plays that South Carolina, you know, plays, it is obviously a little bit slower than some teams. But also somebody made this point actually talking to, to you and me the other day, Chris. It is keep South Carolina from giving up many runs as well. So they're they're not going to be as fast-paced as some teams. They're not going to, you know, there were a couple of times last night where I thought South Carolina, I was like, dude, guys, I know we're being taught not to <laughs> to run, but you, you got a wide-open layup. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was actually a moment late in the game where they pulled up, and I was like, man, I get wanting to run clock, but you could have been up by seven. I had the same thought. Um, but th- that's what they do. But also that keeps them from giving up these runs that kind of can can take your crowd out of it. And it felt like every time Ole Miss would kind of make a run and chip away, that the crowd sort of tried to stay in the game, tried to keep the energy going. You you could it was a little bit of a hang on for dear life feeling at the end, but because they had played so well leading up to that, it uh it, they obviously had enough buffer to. To, to find a way, and then they made some plays late, and CMB, best player in the world right now. <laughs> in history. Yes. Yeah, and, and God, we'll get to him for sure individually, but I, I thought, to your point about this team's style, one of the other hallmarks of it is they play really good defense, and, it, and it's easier, I think, to be consistent playing defense than offense, right? The best offensive teams in the world are going to have an off-shooting night. That might be blowing some layups. I mean, we, we saw that. Tennessee against the Gamecocks. Now, a lot of it was South Carolina's defense. 
But Tennessee also had kind of an off night shooting the basketball. South Carolina missed some shots they normally make in that game, right? If you can play really good individual and team defense and force people into great shots, you can tip your hat and say, okay, you, you know, you, like Flanagan last night. He was just isolating people, getting to the elbow, and hitting contested jumpers, and he buried a bunch of them in a row. Okay. You know, I mean, if yeah. that's going to be your game versus, you know, giving up layups, wide open corner threes and things like that. South Carolina was getting, not always, but they were getting better shots throughout the course of the game. And so South Carolina's defense is a, has been quite consistent and that they, they typically force the opponents to take tougher shots. And that's why we've seen opponent, pretty consistently, opponent point totals be lower than they typically are against other teams. And again, South Carolina is able to keep an opponent under 70 points, which has kind of been the bar for success in this season. I mean, uh, Ole Miss did shoot 50% from the floor, 28 to 55 on field goals, but only four of 10 from three. And that's kind of what we knew about this team coming in. A very effective three-point shooting team. They just don't take a lot of shots. And with the way South Carolina's defense plays, we saw them do it against Georgia on Saturday in the second half when they went more zone. They don't allow you to take as many comfortable uh, three shots or comfortable shots at all. A lot of those contested balls. Now, thankfully, they didn't get called for a foul right there at the very end of the game. That could have been a little bit of a different story. But, you know, South Carolina kept Ole Miss within the box of how their offense is supposed to play. And again, while both offenses kind of went cold in those last five minutes of the game, they only allowed the one jumper in the final roughly four minutes and 45 seconds, um, not allowing uh, Ole Miss to finally close that gap. Did, and, and I admit I've not watched the press conference, and uh, I don't know what was shown on TV when this happened. I, I was there live. Did Was it mentioned that it looked like Lamont wanted them to foul up three? Mm-hmm. Late that was mentioned. I believe so. Because yeah. he, he was like, I was watching him, and he was going crazy on the sideline. Going, It, it looked like he was going foul, 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 foul. And, and then um, the, the Ole Miss guy throws up a prayer, and you're like, all right, don't foul. You know, yeah, it's not, like, not right there. It was, yeah. it was, it was close, and, and Beard was not happy about that call, not going their way, as you would imagine, after the game. But um, thankfully, it didn't, and South Carolina held on. I, I had a good view of that play live. It is not a foul. Yeah, I didn't see a foul. I, I didn't but think you, it was. But you never know. You never know which way well, it's going to get called. I know, but I, I just – he was so out of control, um, like just kind of flailing, I, I feel like. It, it was not a natural basketball play, I, I feel like. Chris Beard should have been more upset that that was the shot they got at the end of the game. Yes, yeah, after working a, their way all the way back. Yeah. Which credit to Ole Miss, man. They did not panic. No. And then they – they went through a stretch. There was that one three-pointer that hit and bounced straight up and then went in. I was like, the the basketball gods are all of a sudden you know, all of a sudden just helping Ole Miss quite a bit here. So uh, I, I know they were a pretty good scoring basketball team, but, man, they had a stretch where they could not miss, and they didn't panic, but South Carolina didn't panic either. There were a couple of little just uh, things, little mistakes we're not used to seeing South Carolina make this year that I, I thought um, – that they made in the second half, but ultimately, man, they're a veteran group, and their their freshman that is playing and Kyler Murray Boyles just operates like a veteran guy. Like he does not, he lives in the spotlight. He's yeah. he does not appear to be affected by it at all. He appears to actually be having a blast in the spotlight. <laughs> well, and he's somebody again missed a, a lot of the early part of the season coming back from 
the mono, but he seems like somebody that has now inserted himself in the starting lineup, but he just keeps getting better with, with every single game. And, you know, 16 points last night, the nine rebounds, has the two blocks, including the one against Jamarian Sharp at the very end of the game. Like, this guy just does a little bit of everything. And, and when you look at him as a true freshman, carries himself like somebody that's been playing basketball at this level for a very long time, which, you know, is exciting right now, but even more exciting for what he's going to mean for the next couple of years, hopefully, to this Gamecock basketball program. Something that came up on the broadcast that was very eye-opening or ear-opening, I guess, because we heard it, was, you know, they they mentioned that Lamont Paris said that before he had to, before CMB had to sit out with Mono, he was, quote, shooting the cover off the ball from distance. Yep. That's scary, you know, because we have not seen that yet. And Colin Murray Boyles, apparently, for the purposes of that little anecdote, had had told the broadcast team, like, it's still coming along, and, and and Lamont said he doesn't have the green light quite yet. But add that to his game, yeah. That, I that, mean, that is that's really the one thing he's not doing is shooting from and, deep. And, but he can do it, yeah. right? And so that is really exciting when you think <laughs> about that. But he's he's just gotten more and more comfortable. There were several plays last night where he just made plays, just just overpowering. Yeah, I mean, just a man rebound, a man put back stuff that freshmen should not be doing at this level. South Carolina. Has the ball with 28 seconds left. Timeout. Up by three. If you asked me when this season started, where's the basketball going in that situation? And South Carolina didn't end up getting a great shot on that possession. But before the year, I would have said, Michi, no hesitation. There have been times this year where I would have said, BJ or Talon. But... Being at this game and watching what CMB has done the last two games and watching at times how Ole Miss just looked completely um, incapable of guarding him at times, I was sitting there saying, I'm giving the ball to Colin. And that, that to me, just that that's even a thought says something about how far he's come and, and what he's meant to this team. And to, to me... The, the reason this team is as good as they are, and it's really they were winning games early this year, obviously, but they were beating teams that just may, maybe weren't as as good as they are. To me, the the reason they are sitting here at eight and two in SEC play, and they've been able to pull out wins over Kentucky and Tennessee and and do what they've done, is the development of Colin and the development of Josh Gray, because with those two guys coming along. You don't have to have a great Michi scoring performance. You don't have to have a great B.J. Mack performance. We've seen that in the last few games. If you said coming into the year, you just looked at this roster on paper, you'd say both those guys are going to have to play very well sure. for South Carolina to win games. And if they don't, where is South Carolina going to go to get its points? Now it's a much more balanced team, top to bottom, Talon can score when he needs to. Colin can do what he does. But Josh Gray is chipping in and giving you some points as well. So I uh, I think it's just a much deeper, more balanced team than what we thought we were going to see coming into the year. And we knew that was going to be a key part of last night's matchup because Ole Miss struggles with what its bench does as far as production goes. And they only ended up scoring six points. South Carolina got 23 points from its bench, led by Miles Studi, who, again, is still working his way back 
from his injury suffered a couple weeks ago. I imagine he'll get reinserted in the starting lineup um, at some point. But even then, Zach Davis is somebody that shows you he can contribute off the bench as well, in addition to Gray, Yuga Suck, Jacoby Wright. Like, you have so many pieces that you can interchange within this offense. As Lamont Paris mentioned last night, hey, when one guy's tired and you need to rotate somebody in, you still have that high-level production no matter what your starting five, no matter what your five on the court look like. Is this an SEC championship contender? At least a contender. Um, you know, you got to count on Alabama to, to lose a couple here and, you know, keep playing it the way you've been playing. But it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. You're only half game back. Alabama's still got to play its midweek. But you're right there in the mix. I feel like Studi coming back and seeming to get better post-injury hit his tra- He's four for five from three last night. Yep. He's sitting at 42% yeah, I think he made, now on the made season. three in a row in the first half, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's and, and we knew he had that ability, and I think he's come on in that regard lately, just finding the corner, hitting some open threes. He hit some big shots. The headline of the CBS College Basketball podcast today with Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander, is South Carolina good enough to win the SEC? National podcast. So. Na- national relevance. Got a number next to their name. Colin Murray Boyle has actually a had an interesting comment about number. that we'll we'll get that coming back oh, i just ruined the tease uh, you know oh well we'll still hear it it is the gamecock central takeover hour presented by firehouse subs here on the game yeah of course like it's, it's always nice to have that little number by your name it's cute but <laughs> but it just gotta be, just gotta be us, man. At the end of the day, just play the same way we've been playing. Like that number has nothing to do with us. Like it's all God. God is helping us throughout this whole journey. So just playing and just going against each opponent like our last. So just being good and being confident. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyrod West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you here on your Wednesday morning. That was Colin Murray Boyles after. His great performance last night when asked about, you know, the ranking that the team finally achieved on Monday, said the number was cute, uh, not that big a deal. And we talked about this so much leading up to them and finally getting ranked earlier on this week where South Carolina has played with this chip on its shoulder. They've been, you know, the doubt, the underdog, so to speak. And now they're finally, as Wes you know, mentioned, the, the College Foot Basketball Today podcast, they're the lead story. So they're finally getting the attention from around the nation that, you know, they've been lofting after. Would that change the way that they played? And I don't think it did last night. I think it looked like the exact same team, which I think goes back to the veterans that you have on this roster now, guys that you brought in the transfer portal, the, you know, guys like Colin Murray Boyles that seem to be mature beyond his years up to this point um, that, you know, didn't really change how they play. Yeah, and I, I think they, like like a veteran team, although we know Colin's not a veteran, um, they take the rankings for what they are. It's a nice recognition. It is. And I think because you hadn't been ranked in so long, do you want to be ranked? Of course. They they were, and they were, they were like honest about that. Right. I don't think this group tried to do the thing where you pretend something doesn't matter. Oh, we don't look at that. And it really did. Like they, they were honest and there was some reaction the week prior when South Carolina was not ranked, you know, from the guys on social media. And so for, for these guys to be ranked, it is a it, it's an honor because if you're if you're 20, if you're top 25 every year, you really probably don't care. But if you haven't been ranked since 
2017. It's a nice little honor, but then you take it for what it is, and then you move on. And that appears to be what they did. I mean, this y'all, it's a good Ole Miss basketball team that was coming in. If South Carolina didn't play well last night, if they let the chatter around them or all the talk, you know, going to class, telling them how good they are and and how excited they are around campus, then it, they easily could have lost this game. And and it's easy to forget because they've just been winning, winning, winning six games in a row. It's easy to forget how fickle sports can be and how, you know, ultimately even games against teams that aren't evenly matched can come down to a handful of plays. And so for for them to not only win last night but but sort of get a big lead and then hang on there at the end and, and not panic uh, is just yet another example that this is a veteran team. They maybe haven't played together for three years, but they look like a group that has been on the court for three or four years. Yeah, and, and I mean, Chris Beard is really good. Like His teams are always good. He's Every, his first year. Everywhere he's been, yeah, he's won. I mean, he, at Texas Tech, I mean, he made here's, – here's what he did at Tech. You know, first year, eight, 18 and 14, okay, kind of meh, right, but year one. Texas Tech, he goes Elite Eight, national title game, <laughs> runner-up. Of course, next season's tournament was canceled. Then he made the round of 32. He made the round of 32 at Texas. So, I mean, he went – even going back early in his career, smaller schools, he wins everywhere he goes. His teams are very tough to play against. And um, they're, they're a good team. And I think you make a good point, Wes. I mean, this team, they've just weathered all these different types of storms that have been thrown at them. They haven't gotten too high. They haven't gotten too low. We we now have evidence that they've been able to deal with that success, which is not not really all that surprising, you know, to me, given the, the veteran presences that they have on this team. And even guys like CMB who, I mean, he acts like a veteran, plays like it, he carries himself like it too. CMB to me looks like he's just out there playing you know with his friends in the neighborhood yep (laughs) i'm i'm amazed i don't know chris are you gonna go off on the net at this point so yeah uh, we had a caller he ended up not hanging on the line but wanted to bring up the point that while south carolina was playing last night clemson took down number three Mm -hmm. north carolina obviously that is one of south carolina's three losses so in a way that does help south carolina as far as their overall resume don't want to lose you don't want to see the enemy winning games, but it does technically help South Carolina out when it comes to their net ranking, which I think Clemson was already high enough in the net ranking yeah. where that didn't really change last night, but that's another feather in their cap that, again, when you talk about losses, two of your losses have come to teams in the quad one, the other loss coming to Georgia, um, who's a quad two opponent right now. Um, so, so again, something that does help bolster Carolina's resume a little bit. You see, you hear how naturally Tyler yeah, just called enemy. him the enemy? The enemy. Not bad for a Georgia guy. Well, we had a we had a week long training session leading up to the football <laughs> yeah. game. So well, and Georgia doesn't like Clemson either, you know. So it's natural. True. It's a natural transition for Tyler. Good South job. Carolina, by the way, currently quad one, three and two, mm-hmm. quad two, five and zero, oh, quad three, three and one, quad four, nine and zero. Oh. Okay, and I guess Georgia was quad three at that loss then, but they're quad two now. They're quad two now. Um, based on what I'm looking at. Hmm. Maybe we're looking at different Georgia. Georgia eighty-eight in the net. You know what? This leads to Chris's rant. Yeah, I'm. I I think I'm with the update. You know what? One. Because yeah. that was a road game. I guess that's why it's different. What do you mean? Or not? Um. No, no. The home game when they lost to Georgia. Yes. Yeah, that would be it. That's why that leads into Chris's rant. But South Carolina, um, their reward 
for beating Ole Miss at home. A pretty good Ole Miss Pretty team, good Ole Miss by team. By the way. Uh, is to drop two spots in the net. So they are now 41. And 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 I'm I'm not taking credit for this because a lot of game it's been a topic of conversation like on the Insiders Forum on Twitter among Gamecock fans. So Wake Forest they beat Georgia Tech who has a losing record on the road. They beat him handily. They took care of business. They moved up ten spots in the net. They went from 42 to 32 because they beat I think a 10 and 13 Georgia Tech team on the road. So once again. Latest evidence, really not much rhyme or reason as to what's going on here. Yeah. They're also 0-3 against quad in quad one games. Yes. They are 32nd in the net. They are 12-0 and at home, but, I, I, you know, I don't know. They've beaten – they've got six quad two wins. They're 6-4 and four in quad two, 0-3 in quad one, ranked ahead of South Carolina in the net. I don't really get it. Was well, because the net takes into account things that aren't even your record. I think when things like this happen, you should like pause the season and make the two teams play each other just for the net ranking. Yeah, alone. just be like whoever wins gets that net spot. I mean, because that's just kind of it seems ridiculous. I don't really get it. Well, right now Florida has a better net ranking yeah. than South Carolina. Yeah, they flip flop. They essentially flip places yeah. by South Carolina beating. Ole Miss. Yeah. And we're sitting here talking about, man, that loss to Cle- – you know, it, it yeah. just seems kind of silly. It, it's weird. And, th- look, there's a lot of metrics that go into deciding who gets in the tournament and who doesn't. Uh, we can safely say South Carolina's in. Now the net ranking could determine them being a lower seed or a higher seed. So that is something to have a conversation later on down the road. But uh, Lenardi's Bractology yesterday morning had them at a six seed. I don't think – Beating Ole Miss necessarily changes that too much because they were six going back to last week. But you still have opportunities taking on Auburn next week. Got another game against Tennessee coming up. Got Ole Miss again here in a couple weeks. Like you have opportunities to continue to uh, climb up there as far as you know where you're going to be sitting in the NCAA tournament um, right out a month from now. But um, again, barring a collapse, which I don't think is going to happen, we know that South Carolina is going to be playing basketball in March, and at the end of the day, that's what matters. Yeah, I uh, I, I did try to look up what the net actually means and how it's determined and it, it just made my head hurt um, one of those things you just accept it for what it is well remember how i said i didn't do my homework in mr good's uh math class in 11th grade like i'm i'm regretting that now it, but it's really if you if you go back i mean this graphic is from 2018 but this is when the net became uh, sort of the key factor in the official ncaa's uh, metric I mean, guys, like, yes, they put game result as, like, the first thing you see on here. But there's a lot on here that uh, does not involve your actual, right. th- the games being played, which I, I thought should be the most important thing. And I get, it, it's not like football. You have so many teams. Sure. You need something to try and divide things out for you. But when you're talking about a team's efficiency, which involves multiple other stats being plugged into an algorithm or a formula, does that really play a factor in an official ranking? Probably not, but... I mean, it does, but should it is what I'm saying. 
We got to live with it regardless. But South Carolina sitting in a good position right now. Uh, reminder, coming up today between 3 and 4 in the postgame show, Ray Tanner, AD, for South Carolina, going to be joining them talking about what's going on with the basketball program, but also what's happening with NIL across the street at the Statehouse. We'll dive into that a little bit ourselves coming up right here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on the game. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Westminster, Chris Clark, along with you on this Wednesday morning. Quick reminder about the 1075, the game Valentine's Balls and Strikes Contest brought to you by our friends over at Hilton Garden Inn. Your chance to win tickets to the season opening baseball series against Miami of Ohio coming up next Friday through Sunday, as well as a two-night stay Friday and Saturday at the Hilton Garden Inn right here on Gervais Street in Columbia. You also get a breakfast and a pregame meal served by the Garden Grill within the hotel. Head on over to 1075game.com and enter for your chance to win. Winner will be announced or be drawn, excuse me, on Friday morning. So only a couple more days to get your submission in for the Valentine's Day Balls and Strikes Contest brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn right here in Columbia. Yesterday across the street, a lot of action uh, going on in regards to NIL at the State House. Had uh, uh, Beamer there, had Dabo there, had a lot of representatives from the schools across the state speaking and, you know, looking at, at what could be done within the state of South Carolina as far as NIL moving forward. We actually have about a two-minute cut here of Coach Beamer and his message to those at the State House in regards to what's uh, attempting to be passed. Okay. I, along with my fellow head coaches here at the University of South Carolina, ask for your support of this bill. Name, image, and likeness is very important, and it is something that we deal with daily. It is also ever-changing daily. This wall would give us stability, flexibility, in allowing the institutions that we work at to make decisions, and also protection from an ever-changing climate. There is so much good currently in college athletics, and so much good has come from name, image, and likeness. Just on the football team alone, we've had a group of our players that with money that they've brought in off of their name, image, and likeness, they've used that to take underprivileged youth here in Columbia on a shopping spree around Christmas time. We had one of our football players here at Carolina use the money that he brought in from name, image, and likeness to pay for the college tuition of his younger sister just last year. It's a tool that will continue to help our student athletes in the future. <clears throat> Unfortunately, right now, there are too many people outside of our university and outside of our athletic department that are involved directly with our student athletes in regards to name, image, and likeness because we are not allowed to. This law would allow us to be more involved with our student athletes, put more resources around our student athletes, and continue to help them and advocate for them in the future. Thank you very much. Again, that was Beamer's message to the State House yesterday as there is uh, NIL you know, legislation being proposed, and there's a lot to this proposal, a big part of this is the school's ability to potentially be able to evaluate deals with the NIL for the student athletes and also be able to give them advice as well. So kind of bringing them to the table like we've seen a lot of other states do in regards to their individual NIL bills. 
that Tyler Plus, you know, I saw Mitt Winter, who I, I thought this when I read through the draft of the bill, which I don't think is still on track. Mm-hmm. There weren't any significant amendments yesterday uh, during the session. And Mitt Winter, who, of course, does a lot of work um, on the in the NIL space as an attorney, he noted that his reading of the law led him to believe that, you know, Clemson, South Carolina could really be involved in through a third party or even directly like negotiating these deals, even even doing deals directly with the athletes. Now, I think for a lot of reasons, you're probably not going to see the University of South Carolina or Clemson University directly contracting an athlete. Probably it would be through a third party. For instance, it could be Garnet Trust. It could be the Gamecock Club. Um, but it does give a lot more flexibility into the future. And the other thing it does is something that we've talked about a lot of times in the past, kind of ending the the charade across college football that coaches, you know, are going to be very, 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 and need to be very, 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 you know, hands-off with something like this. It would just really open the door for that to, to happen. Well, you expect the coaches and the staff at a university to protect the student-athletes in every single other aspect of this thing. But then you're telling them, oh, nope, you can't have any involvement in what is their, literally their name and, of course, their brand. And, and then a offshoot from that would be their personal finances. And so I, I think it, does there have to be some lines and, and roadblocks put in place somewhere in all this? I, I would probably argue yes, but the the fact that we're just going to, sort of at this point say, well, nah, the the coaches, they, they're involved in everything else, but not this. It just seems kind of naive, I, I think, to even think that that would be a possibility. My, my question on all this, Chris, is how, how long does a process like this take? Like, obviously, we can read the reporting right now that they're discussing it actually about a two-minute walk from us <laughs> um, over there at the State House, but how long do you think something like this will take to sort of um, possibly come into place? Yeah, don't have an exact date on that, um, but I, not long. I mean, it is is getting quite close. Um, it kind of got, for lack of a better term, it kind of got fast tracked um, here anyway, which you see happen sometimes. Like when the original NIL bill in South Carolina got suspended, the way they did it is they just stuck it in a a budget item. <laughs> And, and just, hey, by the way, NIL, we're suspending the law. And so um, th- this will be more of just like taking a vote and, and passing it. But every bit of information that I've, I've heard leads me to believe that this this thing is going to pass and, and probably without any significant changes from what we heard yesterday. And again, there's a lot of elements of this one that we kind of look around the country. We talk about Missouri's NIL bill uh, um, quite a bit and, and how different it was from some of the other ones, but it takes pieces from different ones around the, the, the United States and kind of implements them into one that, again, can hopefully bring South Carolina and the universities in the state kind of in line with what these other schools around the country are doing because the last thing you want to do is fall behind everybody else. So are for maybe one of the few times South Carolina and Clemson kind of in lockstep you, on this, Chris? You, you kind of have to be on something like this. Um, you know, it's different from some of the other political things where it's like it's drawn along like party lines, right? Th- this isn't really that. This is can can both state institutions be on the same page? And 
I am sure that there were some things that, you know, maybe some people around South Carolina would have liked to see. Some pe- so it was a little bit of working together, compromising on some items, and coming up with something that would benefit, you know, both schools. So this will give them more flexibility. There's some potential financial flexibility here on um, how schools can raise funds, maybe some of the ways that fans – you know, there are a lot of fans out there that have reasons that they have or have not given to the NIL cause at Clemson and at South Carolina. This would maybe unlock some possibilities for them to be able to be further rewarded, for instance, uh, by doing that. And then there's some other small pieces like, you know, uh, unless basically that a contract couldn't be public knowledge, right? That, that somebody couldn't just say, hey, I need to see such and such as contract, and they could do a FOI and get it, right? That's another small piece of this. So, so there are a bunch of different things in there that I think um, have been discussed for a while. It also directly contradicts some of the NCAA's current guidance, which is interesting. As most of these state laws do kind of end up being the case there. So something to keep an eye on and hopefully, um, you know, is a fast-moving process across the street at the – State House. We'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tallahassee, West Metro, Chris Clark along with you for a few more minutes. Busy week continues tomorrow. Carolina calls coming up at 6 o'clock. Coach Paris, recap what happened on Tuesday night against Ole Miss. Look ahead to Vanderbilt this upcoming Saturday. Maybe even look ahead to Auburn uh, next weekend on the road as well. And then right after that, as soon as Carolina calls ends, we'll take you right into the start of women's basketball as they take on Missouri. The pregame coverage will actually start at 6.30 on our sister station ESPN 1320 WISW. And then right as soon as the Carolina calls ends, switch over to uh, the game, and we'll get you right to tip off with um, um, with Brad Muller on the call for that one. Also tomorrow in the Garden Trust Hour, we're going to play a little bit of y'all's interview that you had with uh, Rocket Sanders here recently where um, you know uh, everybody can get a little bit more insight into the new running back for the Gamecocks. Chris, tell us everything Rocket said. Nope, not going to do it. You got to wait. Was it good? Got to tune in tomorrow. Oh, yeah, always entertaining, always good catching up with him. I think that'll be the first time he's spoken. Or yeah. it was the first time he spoke. You, you got in just, uh, just, just in front of the buzzer because that's right. The whole crew is that's speaking right. on Thursday. Uh, the a uh, lot of them. It, so it is all the commits, well, all the transfers. Yeah. everybody. Okay, it means I got uh, a lot. All, of, it's all the transfer players. Okay, all the yeah. transfer players. Well, still, I got a lot of sound to cut tomorrow then. But uh, yeah, good, good to hear from all those guys. But yes, we will get ahead of the curve and let you hear the exclusive Gamecock Central interview. With Rocket Sanders. With the tones of Chris Clark's voice. That's right. The <laughs> cut cut out. Just, just play the answers. <laughs> just con, con, consecutively. But he did as a teaser. You do have to tune in tomorrow. He, he talked a little bit about little bit about the injury, the recovery. Didn't say too much on it, but um, he's excited. Garnet Trust members can already yep. check that out. It's in their email or in the content portal. Hey, how about the fact that both of these, I feel like both of the basketball teams, men's and women's, at times their seasons have kind of mirrored each other. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like both teams have games coming up where they just can't let up. Right. And the, the women, let's be honest, they're so talented. They can let up and, and still win games. Uh, not even let up, but they can have an off night and still win games. 
Vanderbilt comes in. They're having a terrible season. And South Carolina, they, they can't look ahead to Auburn on the men's side. And then the women, they have a massive Super Bowl matchup ahead <laughs> with UConn. Yep. And so on on Thursday, the women got to take care of Mizzou. On Saturday, the men got to take care of uh, Vanderbilt. And then you, like, quickly turn your attention to two huge games for each respective program. Right. Um, speaking of which, speaking of UConn, and, and Patrick Marco was in here with us this morning on, on the early game. He posed a question that I, I'm assuming is probably true. Between the men's and women's team's combined record, I believe South Carolina has the best overall combined record in the entire country. Obviously, obviously the women's yeah. team, the lone undefeated women's basketball team in college uh, in college at 21-0, obviously the men at 20-3. and So that's a collective record of 41-3. and I mean, even UConn, who's number one on the men's side of things, their men's team has two losses. Their women's team has four losses. So I think combined across the entire country, South yeah. Carolina basketball as a whole has the best record. Yeah, and that that's amazing. Uh, the crowds have been amazing. And, you know, it's interesting if you asked anybody other than, like, what the women have been doing lately, obviously, but men's basketball, other than little blips here and there, if you're young, you don't remember South Carolina men's basketball um, drawing the crowds you're seeing right now or being as good as they are right now, obviously. But if you if you kind of go back decades, there was a time when this was an incredibly proud, incredibly successful men's basketball program. So it, it's a different world now, but it can be done at South Carolina. Lamont Paris is showing that, and it will be supported in this town if you give them a little glimpse of that success. And that's what we're seeing the games are exciting, they're fun, they're winning, and I've always thought this fan base is one. you got to give them a little nibble, and then it'll just snowball from there, and that's what we're seeing right now. Hopefully they can keep it going for both programs this week and then maybe get two more massive wins after that. What do we think about Lamont Paris's white quarter zip from last night? He matched. Fresh. I, yeah, think, fresh. I think it's 2-0 and on the season, if I'm thinking correctly i know there's the person that has the running tally of all the q-zips yeah shout out to that person <laughs> i don't know their twitter at right now but um they've done a good job with that what y'all think of the whiteout look i thought it was cool that looked good fresh um i didn't see really hardly any Ole miss fans which i get it's a weeknight maybe you don't travel as much but seem to be pretty much all gamecocks Gar- garnet out next sure why not <laughs> Just rotate all the done blackout done white out sure that's next. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with Terry Ford coming up next right here on the game in Columbia, Florence, and Myrtle Beach, the 107.5 The Game app. And stream is always on the Game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass.